Speaking about sheep. Speaking about sheep. The ultimate Nevada is the following marshal, which I find quite interesting. I think it applies very much to a lot of the kind of mentality that we see today. And it's a, it's a really good marshal. I'm quite surprised he says it, but that's what he says. It's quite innovative. <laughs> it's classic. He got, so this person goes into town, goes into town, and he's a foreigner. And he's looking around and he suddenly finds out, discovers that he needs to go to the bathroom. So he to, but he doesn't know where the, the toilets are, the bathrooms. So he starts to look around and eventually he can't find any. So he starts to run. And people see this man running with a look of fear on his face. And they think, gosh, something must have happened. So they start to run after, after him. Until you were the entire town closing their shops and running off to the man. So eventually he gets to the fields and they discover what they were <laughs> what they're running afterwards. So he uses it as a very harsh insight to the way the way people run after others and they're not they're running for the train. Yeah, and found out the train was Yeah, a bunch of people started like running with us to like catch the train and it was yeah, it was out of service. So it happens both practically and it also happens metaphorically. It happens metaphorically. And what we're trying to work out in this year is we're taking a rather um, Alex will forgive us, a rather strong approach to, to a life of spirituality. And we're basing ourselves... Yeah, how does that muscle... So what is it? Everyone's chasing after something that we think that they're... Like, how does that muscle apply to what you just... Uh, no, the muscle is just an indication of how people are sometimes scared to choose for themselves. And they just follow the crowd mentality. Whereas what we're trying to build inside of ourselves is a power of decision. That we don't feel... We don't feel... Um, we don't feel like we these 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 reeds which just blow in whatever way the wind happens to be blowing. That's the way we happen to be bending. A person has to develop the strength of character that even though the strongest winds in the world blow, he doesn't budge even the slightest, smallest amount. One needs to build themselves. So what we're discussing in terms of building ourselves is that we've we've figured out that 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 Torah is an extreme sport, except for the sport part. Um, <laughs> Torah is extreme. Torah ter- doesn't, doesn't allow a person to live a life of complacency. The Torah demands everything we've got. Now I find it very fascinating because you see that there's been a large increase in extreme sports in recent years. And I pretty much think that the, the reason why it's happening is life is becoming much... Life is becoming more and more boring. <laughs> life in the Western world is becoming boring. There's no edge. There's no edge, there's no challenge. So people have to create the feeling of what it would be to live life. So they engage in extreme sports. Because the truth is, when a person's living life in the real way, you're living always on the edge. Living life on the edge, living life on the edge is like... Gentlemen, ding, 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 ding. Living life on the edge is like a person who's a fighter pilot. He's traveling at a, at a breakneck speed and every single movement is significant and if he just makes the slightest minuscule wrong movement he could land up as a pile of broken debris on the ground. And therefore he's completely switched on. So at the same time as it's extremely demanding but he's living with a thrill. We've lost the thrill in our life. Why? Because we're seeking to maintain mediocrity. We've lost the passion for excellence. We've lost the drive for greatness. And as a result, we go into this 
quagmire of complacency and in our relationship to Torah, our Torah looks like a senile old man. I learn a little, and I dive into circle, and I do a little bit of chesed. Where's the fire? And because we don't have the fire, so therefore Torah becomes boring and dreary. And I say, but I don't understand it. Why the life outside is so much more appealing? Because there's glitter and there's appeal. And here I am in my boring state of life. I wake up in the morning and I go to the davening. I eat my food that I make a broccoli. I learn my Torah and I go to work. I say this, I say daughter, daughter. Where, 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 why? It's pathetic. Life should be this explosive challenge of mortal combat 24 hours a day. And if you think I'm joking, I'm purely quoting. I'm not joking. Ooh, I'm quoting! Says the Ramchal in the very first chapter, lest the person get distracted to what the purpose of life is, and lest he use his biases to distract himself from the ultimate realization of what he's doing in this temporal existence. Says Ramchal, quite clearly. Says the Ramchal. Says the Ramchal. Oh! Vihine, Vihine, and behold, first chapter of the Path of the Just, says Shaim. Vihine, Samaya Kodesh Bokhu Hashem placed man, Bamakom, in a place, Sherabim, that there are many, Hamachikim. Hamachikim, Ayusoi, Mimeni, Zborach, there are many things which distract us from the Creator. Many things which distract us. What do you mean? We're Shiva Bokhim. We're doing okay. Hmm. Even as we're Shiva Bokhim. Vehemem Atavis Achomis. That the desires for materialism. Asher. In Nimshach. Achreim. If you get pulled after them. Hinei Misrachik. Vohelech Minatoeva Miti. You'll be. Distance yourself from the true good. And then says Ramchal. Venimta. And it's found. Shemusam Be'emes. Betoich. The ultimate war. Story of the Chosid and the Chavis of Avos. He's walking along the street and he meets a soldier returning from battle. And the soldier says to him, Good day. He returns his greeting and he says to the soldier, From whence do you come? And the soldier replies, I've come from a battle so mighty. For years we did fight. And he carries the wounds of a battle-worn man. And he looks at him and he says, From whence do you come? He says, I'm still in the greatest war that was ever fought. And the soldier says, I'm a military man. I have no word of, heard, have no word of any war that's in this era. To which the man requires, replies and says, The battle that I fight is not fought on the battlefield. Neither are the weapons, guns and swords, for the battle rages within. And if I lose concentration for but one second, I may be vanquished by my foe. Our experience of life 
is not one of a constant battle. Therefore, we know as a fact we are losing. <laughs> the Ramchal says it's a constant battle. I say, yeah, battle. Occasionally, I have a struggle here and there, but most of the time, no battle. That means that the enemy has become so insidious in his invasion that he's the one controlling the fort. Your ally is really your enemy. Your friend is your foe. And we become so intimately connected with our Yates that we feel, what do you mean? What do you mean? There's no struggle. Occasionally a struggle comes up. Most of the time, I'm doing okay. The question I need to ask is, who's the I that's doing okay? <laughs> yes, Max Posnick. Um, <laughs> so if you, the, you know, the, the, the class that you were presenting yesterday and that, that, that dissonance that you're creating within us is really... <laughs> I mean, or that you're bestowing. I don't say you're creating it as if it comes from within. Um, it's it's something that if 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 we have in that that uncomfortable feeling of because that's what a battle is. A battle isn't just oh yeah I I I, it's I hard passed to, it, right. I passed today. So if I have that uncomfortable feeling, is that uh, an indicator to that battle that you're aware of? Right, you're succeeding. The more uncomfortable you feel, the more torn you are. At least now you're more alive. When a person is, is sitting there tranquil and serene, so the chances are he's already the vanquished. Give me an example. Give me an example. Probably in the last 24 hours, as a from Jew, you've said a bracha. Yeah. I have myself. Why, why pick on you? Just pick on me. So I said a bracha on this cup of tea. Now, how did I say the bracha? Did I say the bracha as a victor or as a, or as a victim? So if I say the bracha as a victor, it means as follows. I'm looking here. I'm in touch with the miracle of creation. I'm aware of the fact that the creator is allowed through his unbounded kindness, a pathetic and miserable life like myself, to enjoy of his creation. And he's given me a cup of delicious PG tips. What? PG tips. Sorry, for Americans, tea is a hot beverage. Chidush number one. It's a hot beverage that is made by adding boiling water to something called a tea bag. A tea bag is a bag which contains more than one gram of diluted one gram of diluted tea. It has often two grams. And the tea is strong that if you leave it in too long, the cup becomes so black that a teaspoon put inside will stand in an upright position. That is called tea. Anything less than that is called bats dribble. <laughs> so I look at this tea. I look at this tea. Peachy Tips is a brand of tea which is tea as opposed to other things which masquerade as tea and are mm. bats dribble. So you are hold of strong tea and not bats dribble? No, no, ding, no, no, ding, no. Ding, it's ding, a definition ding, of tea. It's not I hold of. It's not a machlaikas. <laughs> okay? It's a reality. Ding, ding. Ding, ding. So, so I'm looking at this team, and now the truth is, if I want to win the battle in the broch on this team, I have to have a cognizance of the of 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 the kindness of the creator that he's allowed to come into my into my space. He's given it to me, and I'm going to I'm going to 
contemplate on that fact, meditate on that fact, and say a small, a small, well-timed phrase which is going to create the proper state of mind in order for me to engage in that experience. That phrase is known as a bracha. And it should be said with tremendous care and contemplation. Because each word is precious and it and the third word I'm addressing the Creator in the second person he's standing right in front of me as it were and I'm using the name of Hashem which is a mystery in its own right it is so deep that I can't even say the letters as they are written and as I say those words my mind comprehends of the meaning behind those letters of and then I go into the Elokeinu that's involved in the global sense of the Jewish people, Melech HaOlam, he's the king of the hidden universe, and Shakol Nyebidvoroi, he's the king, he's, 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 he's the king of the universe, which is, his presence is hidden within it. Okay, sorry. Um, so, and I say that brocha, and I meditate on it before I even, before I, before I meditate on it, and then through that process, my engaging in the string will be a highly elevated experience. That's called winning. What's called losing? It's called losing. I have a cup of tea. I know there's a locha that I have to say a brocha, and now there comes this issue. Who's going to win? Will the cup of tea make it to my mouth before I say the finish, finish of the brocha? Or brocha them shakoni, Now, now I may do that a hundred times a day. And I may be completely <coughs> unaware of the fact that I'm losing the battle every single time. Every single time. Losing the battle, hands down. So you say to me, but Rabbi, looking for ways of saving yourself, but Rabbi, what do you mean you're losing the battle? You're winning the battle. You didn't have to say a bracha at all. That's where you're making your mistake. That's where you're making your mistake. <laughs> that, you. that, yeah. that life of compromise Judaism is way worse than not saying the bracha. Way worse! Because when you don't say the bracha, when you don't say the bracha, so then at least you know where you stand. You know where you stand, you say there's no creator. When you do say the bracha, you trap yourself in complacency. You think I say the bracha, I'm doing my job. I'm doing my bit. I'm doing, yeah, I'm doing my part. I'm doing my part and therefore you don't appreciate the vibrancy in Judaism. You just do things by rote. And as a result, you do them dies as kind of like, like it's, it's already it's fatally ill. It's a senile old man. What do you want to say, Shmuel Yitzchok Justin? <laughs> Goodness. Explaining, explaining the diversity um, of a Baal Shiva. You said about, you know, when you ask yourself, how am I doing? I'm doing fine. Is there, should you make it? difference between how you sort of answer that question within yourself like if, if like how are things going i'm doing fine versus like hearing you're doing fine within yourself is that a difference i just have no idea what you're talking about like like is it like when you when you think like oh how are things going oh i'm doing okay i'm doing okay is that more against a heart saying yeah you're doing fine you're doing whereas if you hear you're doing okay where it's coming almost externally so like, we briefly touched on the point of inner dialogue that, that, that's, a, that's a separate share that we have to understand. In the inner dialogue, who are the two parties that are conducting that discussion? We mentioned that speaking to yourself is the first sign of sanity. You see a person... Sp- sanity. Sanity. Not speaking to yourself is the first sign of insanity. If a person doesn't speak to themselves, they are mad. In the English sense of the word, not in the American sense of the word. People who don't speak to themselves can't possibly have the ability to be sane. 
Do you understand why? Well, that's, that's a separate discussion. We haven't finished. We haven't finished. We haven't finished the uh, extreme Judaism yet. So, Mike, you have problems with this. I can see it. I, I, I know your problems now. Your problems now is that you want to cling on to your old life and you don't want to let go. You think that if you let no, go, I'm if you let go, yes, 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 no, 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 that's for great. that bestow. That's beautiful. Thank you. So let's go back to my point. Let's go back to your point, so Mikey. I was busy bestowing on you. Then what happened? Yes. So you you were trying to present that point to me yesterday, or to yes. all of us. Yes. And I'm and my my answer to that, and it's not an answer of complacency of like saying, okay, I'm here. I have to. I've, my work is finished. But the fact that I'm spending a 25 year old's time. Where anywhere I can be in the world right now, and this, the fact that I'm spending here, you have kids who are. Who are why, 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 in your crooked mind, do you think you can be anywhere else but here? What gives you legitimacy to step out of the realm of trying and sand? You can only be here. I say I've, I've accepted that yoke. Fine, so you're here. You, okay, know, you have so no choice. I'm, here, I'm saying that, so. You're, you're, you're trying to present to me, Michael. You're saying no, 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 oh, no, no. You want to hold on to the, your rest of your life. That's I'm exactly saying, no, what you're I'm, doing. I'm in that new chapter. If you life. would be completely committed to tell, you could never entertain the fact that you may possibly could be I'm elsewhere. I'm not entertaining the fact. I already... Before, you are? Before I did. No, no, I'm just presenting... So you can't be anywhere else. You're here. I am Next here. point, fine. Next point. Next As point. a 25-year-old, it has to be here. Go on. You just said... Well done, you're doing so well. Well done, you, you know, you're getting eternity. What a great guy. Gosh, you're fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's called from a position yeah. of strength. I'll tell you what, I read an article <laughs> last night. There's a, there's a recent occurrence which one of the Broadway critics was very upset about. Now, exactly what? A Broadway critic has been upset by a recent minhag in Broadway. Oh. He didn't refer to the minhag, but I think that was an intention. He says, now, almost any Broadway production, regardless of if, if, whether it's good or bad, gets a standing ovation. Really? <laughs> in other words, a standing ovation almost across the board. And he says, the, he, he, he maintains the reason is because we are teaching our children from an early age that they can do no wrong. Because we're so petrified because we worship the cult of self-esteem. What a disgusting thing. We worship this cult of self-esteem where people have to be, they always have to feel good about themselves and good about themselves and good about themselves and good about themselves and good about themselves, good about themselves until we dive, drive them into depression. But apart from the... But isn't it the opposite? No. So what happens is because we, pre, we, we, we teach people to praise people who are not worthy of praise, it becomes part of the society. But so what happens is all values, who, all values. Who are you to deem who, who gets praise or not? Of course you can deem who gets praise or not. It depends on the situation. There's objective values of evaluating, evaluating a person's performance. to your opinion. It depends what you're talking about. If you're talking about a person that's going to... A standing ovation. Standing ovation means there's a certain level 
of competency and the way the actors play out the play and if they make constant um, flops and if they I think his expression was if I remember the critic he said the actors take the stand evasion and they ovation and they look like a group of something like patients who've just been discharged from a terminal illness ward something like that in other words you agree with me Mikey one second Mikey bring it into your world yeah. you go to watch Jimmy Page play okay now he's playing his banjo banjo guitar but he also, he also plays banjo pastress of course why not so Jimmy Page is there strumming away at his guitar and your mama's you don't know why maybe he's Maybe I'm sure he doesn't take drugs, but maybe one off. Maybe, 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 maybe he's like just like so stoned they couldn't play properly, right? And he plays it shocking. He mumbles, plays disgustingly. But you're gonna go, yay, Jimmy, where do you go? You're gonna go, oh gosh, I feel betrayed. I feel let down. But you're judging him. How can you judge him? Who are you to judge him? Who put you in the position of the judge? Oh, excuse me, how dare you? Obviously, no. Obviously, we have, we, we present... <laughs> 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 Whatever. No, obviously, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. Obviously, we have, we, we do present our opinions, because that's who we are, what's what we're entirely composed of. But who, who are we to say that someone else standing up, so I think that is horrible, if someone else stands up and says, wow, that was amazing, because that's the first time he's ever seen just You're right. know his potential. You're right. If a and person you go to a child who honestly tried his best at what he did, and that might might have been horrible, and he's and he's singing. If he was trying to sing a song and it sucked, that's praiseworthy. Though. That's the same thing. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. You want a kid who tried his best, and it's praiseworthy, even if he does a bad job. This yeah. is Jimmy Page. He's the, he's the greatest of the greatest. I'm, I'm, br I'm bringing it back home because we're, we're, we're he, he, he's yes, I'm saying that you shouldn't praise kids unequivocally. You have to be careful where you put your praise, right. because if you praise them in the wrong areas, so you actually you, depress you, them. You think yeah. parents practice this method? Yeah. Oh, of course, everyone. Does. Of of Sorry. of overpraising. No, obviously of, they do. Oh, overpraising. In other words, oh. of not pra not overpraising. So I'm thinking back to how I deal with my kids. No, I, I was inadvertently asked. Yeah, no wonder this probably explains why they're always so miserable. <laughs> why I always wondered why when I came home they always threw things at me. It's becoming. <laughs> um, I think you're right because a child has has a fragile sense of self, so you have to know how to deal with it. But what you want to do is and a limited capacity. What you want to do is, as a child grows up, you want to get them in the right. You want to educate them in the right direction. So in other words, when a child's small. The smaller the child is, the more excited you are over the child's minor achievements. The older the child gets, the less excited you are over minor achievements because you have an expectation that the child, and actually becoming excited over minor achievements is belittling for the child. And that's why you have to be very cautious because the whole act of praise can be a very big belittlement. I told you I was speaking to this, one of the guys who was recently on the JD tour, and he's, just, he's a psychologist and he's, he's working on a new type of treatment for depression. Didn't I tell you this? He's, he's way the, the way he's treating depression, he's working research, and the, the treatment for depression is, I said to him the following thing, I said, when you have clients who are depressed, why don't you tell them to engage in inner dialogue with themselves so that they can say to themselves, they can almost have the inner dialogue we're discussing, is that they have their rational thinking mind and their emotional state. And why don't they engage in, the, in a discussion between the two? The emotional state says, 
Um, the, the rational thinking mind comes up to, to call it the Seichel Nefesh. The Seichel comes up to the Nefesh and says, why are you so low? What's going on? You've got so much in your life. And the Nefesh is back. So I said, why don't you do that? He says, in a depressed person's mind, there can never be two voices. It's only one voice. Right. Every single thing is depression, depression, depression. They can't think a positive thought. 100%. So I said to him, how do you deal with that? So he says, we found a way, incrementally, we challenge them. And basically, again, it could be, I, I want to, unfortunately he hasn't got back to me, I've written an email because I'd like to read more up about it. But apparently what you do is you start to, you start to actually challenge them and you start to incrementally insult them. So you say to them, so the guy says, what, what's going on with life? Nothing, nothing's going on with life, I'm, I'm a nothing. So you say, you know, you're right. You are possibly the weakest person I've ever seen in many areas. So then the guy says, what do you mean? So I say, no, you just, you look like you, you're not going to become very good at anything. Well, I say, you have to, you have to, you have to do it well, but I know that it works, for sure it works, because that, that, that's what you do when you teach a person. I know that if I say to you, if you, again, I have to know how to do it and who to do it to and when to do it. But if I say to you, Mikey, the argument you just presented was possibly, again, I've been around a lot, but it's possibly the most stupid argument I've ever heard. Now, what happens is a result, you become furious inside and you think your argument a hundred times and the next time you speak, you've grown tremendously. Mm-hmm. So, so that, that's how you build a person. Whereas if I said to you, oh, Mikey, that was a great, great argument. Just one small thing that was wrong with it. Like, just, it was a great, except the logical part of it. So in other words, you have to be very good. No, you don't make fun of him. You find a point where he's still got some vestige of self. And you try to prod it. So you have to prod it, you have to find it, you have to be careful, you have to, you know, if you prod the wrong, you prod the wrong prod, so the guy says, you're right, suicide. <laughs> but actually, there's a, there's a fascinating occurrence with people who are treated for depression, is that people who are, who are very, very badly clinically depressed, and they are administered drugs, there's a very high incidence of suicide. Because what happens is when they're so depressed, they don't even think they can succeed at committing suicide. And then you give them antidepressants, and I think, "Tuck, I can do it." <laughs> <laughs> so after a person's is, is that just a sick joke? No, it's no, true. It's true. It's true. So what happens is when when people are when when they have clinical depression, they administer drugs. They have to be monitored very carefully because that's like the most dangerous time. You know what I'm saying? You have to you have to be you have to be quite happy to commit suicide. A new version of how the to be. So 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 a person has to prod themselves. It could be a much healthier way of growth. What are you saying, Ryan? But you have to know where yourself is, and sometimes it's hard to see that when you are when you're looking at like, trying to find yourself in a in kedusha rather than in like. See, but he he's talking about the man in the mirror. He's telling him he's got to change his ways. But we see. I'm saying we see ourselves in the gashmias. So we, if you're saying we're not supposed, to, we're not supposed to push ourselves in that place. We're supposed to push ourselves in the kedusha. Okay. Oh, good. It's good. So hard so it's hard to see. How do you get? How do you become visible to yourself, Ryan? Two things. First of all, so the one, uh, so to an extent, I agree with what you're saying. Like the first thing, like that you can't like the whole praise of your child and doing it wrongly, and it, it has an effect. But at the same time, like I've been reading, you know, Robert Tversky, one of his books, and, and it's the he's saying kind of the opposite. People who have a negative self-image, the exact same thing happens. Exactly what you're describing: depression, suicidal, maybe, or perhaps all of these things. So I'm saying. So that's one thing on its own, discussing that, saying, well, hold on, you can't have a negative self-image, but at the same time, you can't think you're great. 
Okay, so let, let's discuss let's discuss the notion of the popular concept of self-esteem and why it's so ruinous. No, no, not self-esteem. Self-image. Self-image, because it's slightly okay. different. Okay, so let's let 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 let's explore that together. Self-esteem is destructive, disgusting, and ruinous. But there is a sense of self which is extremely important. Self-esteem is the following. Self-esteem, according to the Ramchal, in in the Ramchal in Mr. Shaim, when he describes um, the terrible trait known as gaiva, or arrogance, or pride, so that's how people often define self-esteem. I'll read it for you. The person gaiva is when a person esteems himself. Literally, those are the words. In other words, self-esteem means I get, I, I esteem myself, I think I'm important from my own self. He says, that's the worst trait in the world. That trait's terrible, will destroy you. So, so people say, one second, they say, well, in people's minds, since, since, since they don't conceive of anything bigger than two options, they say either person feels he's fantastic or he feels he's terrible. If he feels he's fantastic, so then he achieves, he does. If he feels he's terrible, so then he does nothing. So it's much better to feel that you're great than to feel that you're terrible. The problem is people don't see that there's a third option, which is a healthy option. When a person has talents and gifts, the Ramchal goes on to say, how does one relate to them? So if a person has low self-esteem, which is a terrible trait, called atlas, uh, it's called laziness, it's called it's a terrible trait. If a person has high self-esteem, it's, a, it's, it's, it's possibly worse or the same, or I don't know which is better. Then there's something called self-immuna, self-belief. Self-belief means as follows. If I look at myself and I see my talents, it doesn't make me feel that I'm important. It doesn't give me a sense of importance. There's no esteem. There's a sense of purpose. So I look at myself and I acknowledge the fact that I'm highly talented. Now, if I, if, I, if I process my talents through the eyes of self-esteem, my talents allow me to think, because I'm so talented, therefore I'm great. When I look at my eye, myself through the eyes of self-immunah, it means, because I'm so talented, means I've got a lot to do. So the Ramchal says as follows, a person that has wisdom, he should teach it to others. A person that has wealth, he should share it with others. A person that has strength should assist those that need his help. So you don't see the strength as a means of self-aggrandizement. You see the strength as a means of purpose. It empowers me. It's a responsibility. That every person needs. And if you don't have it, you'll be a nothing and a nobody. But that doesn't mean you feel, I'm so khashif. Because the truth is, those talents came from the Creator. And the fact that He gave you brilliant intelligence is just... That's what he decided. It doesn't make you better or worse. It makes you different and it makes you driven in a different direction. But he could have given it to Lewis. Google self-esteem. Yeah. Okay, so that's one thing. So basically, we've kind of s- saying we've kind of said that um, yeah, hard, we've drawn a parallel to the two in a way, saying. In other words, they're just as bad. Maybe being being have a, having a high self-esteem is worse, and for certain reasons, and now I've got that thing. So now that's one thing. The next part is: so what happens if someone does have a negative self-image? So now we're just talking about the converse of, of that. So you have to try and to build. You have no. to build belief in self. You have to build belief in self. So when when you say to a person, the person says, "I'm a nothing and a nobody," and you say, "You certainly are," and then you find that. What do you mean I am? And then he finds a vestige of self when you say to him, you know, you probably can't even add to him too. 
So he says, I can't add in two. Buddy, buddy, you have no idea. I got an A for math, okay? So he said, I don't believe Four. it. Four! <laughs> okay, so, so basically we're saying that they're actually very, very similar ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay, Abhisai, we have to uh, draw this to a close to be continued in our next exciting episode of Torah. It's like an extreme sport. It's, well, yeah. it's all the pressure.